Father, we love you, and we thank you for an opportunity to learn from you. Lord, we thank you for your presence in our lives, Lord. And Father, I thank you for just speaking to everybody in their own individual way, Lord. I am standing here. My voice is speaking. But I know everyone needs you on an individual level, Father. And I just give you praise for all that you're going to do today, Lord. I thank you for teaching us about your divine appointment, Lord. What should be our disposition to come before your throne? What does that even mean to come before your throne? How do we come before you, Lord? Should we come before you terrified? Should we come before you humbly, Lord? Should we come before you in awe? How should we, what does the scripture teach on that, Lord? And I thank you for, oh, Lord, just showing us these things, and I just give you praise for it all. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, we have the high holy days that are coming upon us in about a week, week and a half, or two weeks. See how much I'm paying attention. It's one of them. It's either one week or two weeks, but it's coming upon us. Is it next Sunday night? And that's Rosh Hashanah which is the Feast of Blowing. And my mission today is to kind of just get in depth as much as we can to understand what all that means. What does it mean, Rosh Hashanah? And these are all Feasts of the Lord. They're not Jewish Feasts. They're Feasts of the Lord. Even though I love learning about Jewish things. Jewish things are awesome. We're going to learn about that as well. But these are Feasts of the Lord. So these are for all of us, Jew and Gentile. So... My first question is, what should be our emotional state during the divine appointment of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot? What should be our emotional state? How should we approach his divine appointments? And just to go backwards, it's great that we just understand that there's a divine appointment. There's, a, there's many in the world that are clueless on God's divine appointment. Our calendar is based off of Pope Gregory. Because the Gregorian calendar, right? And before that, it was the, based off of Julius Caesar because it was the Julian calendar. And that's our normal calendar that we use every day, which is beautiful. We need to understand that. We need to understand the days and times because if you make an appointment with your boss and they say, okay, meet me here at 2 a.m. And, okay, 2 nobody's meeting their boss at 2 a.m. Okay, let's make that 2 p.m. Okay, you said, we're going to meet here at 2 p.m., but you say, you know what, I'm going to meet there at 2 p.m., but I'm going to be on a different calendar. How do you think that's going to go well with your boss? Uh, not well at all, because you're going to miss each other, right? Our boss is King Messiah, and he says in his word all over the place that these are his appointed times, period. And that's why it's so important to understand his calendar. We need to understand the Hebrew calendars, because this is the calendar of the scripture. Starts in Nisan, and Nisan, Ayah, it goes all the way through all the Hebrew months, and we need to understand that. That's why we need to do our due diligence. It's not good enough. A lot of times, I believe we, not believe, I know, we demand the truth in almost every area of our lives except spiritually. Think about that. Think about your job. What if they tell you, you know what? Your payday is on Friday, and then you don't get paid to Sunday, or you don't get paid till next Wednesday. What are some of y'all going to do? I'm going to stand on somebody's desk. Somebody's going to get this right, like tomorrow. I don't know what happened. I was planning on my pay to get here on Friday, and it didn't happen. Why don't we do the same spiritually? We need to make ourselves diligent 
to know his appointed times. Why? Because it's important. If the king of the universe says, be here, we need to be here. So I'm just so grateful, and I'm so grateful to be a witness to, to tell people. And sometimes you can tell people about his divine appointments without telling them. Because I'm a witness at my school. I teach it at a high school. Whenever I tell them, I'm taking off on, I already put in my days, I did a good job this year, yes, I did it like a month early, so they know I'm taking off for these divine appointments, and that starts a lot of conversation. They go, so what's the divine appointment? Okay, and actually I have a lot of Jewish um, colleagues at my job who they don't even follow the feast. As a matter of fact, sometimes I talk to them, I'm more Jewish than them, at least in their eyes, because they don't follow the feast, they're going, what are you doing? I, I'm... I said, I said, what are you doing? These are your feasts, man. And I literally say that loud just because this particular one, we talk to each other that way. But I think that's how we love on people and we make others who are not doing certain things kind of jealous. And it's not that I'm putting it in his face like, hey, you better do this. No, I just love it so much. I love Shabbat. I love his divine appointments. I love studying the Torah. And as we do this, as God puts this in our heart, we make those who know they're supposed to be doing it jealous, indirectly or directly. Sometimes we try to, don't put it in their face, okay? Don't do that, okay? But you just be you. And as you're you, then God's going to allow, you know, things to happen. So, because sometimes, this is another topic, briefly. Um, sometimes we got to get free from people in order to be free to people. Think about that. Because sometimes we're so messed up on trying to please people by our words and our action that we can't help them because I'm so busy trying to please them. I can't please, no, I just can't. And as a teacher, I, I get, trust me, I get this, I have 20 different perceptions of what should happen in that room by students, by parents, by principals, by a lot of people. And guess I can't, if I focus on those, I would just quit. Matter of fact, we, we had a teacher to quit. Literally, she started this particular person was there for like two weeks, and for life happened, and she's gone. Years ago, we had a substitute teacher, and this was kind of funny to us. But anyway, the kids were just being kids, and that particular substitute teacher just got his keys, got in the car, and went home. But he didn't tell nobody. He just left. <laughs> he didn't say, I'm out of here, nothing. <laughs> we, I laugh. That's funny. But you know what? I don't know where he was, and sometimes kids can be very mean and cruel. And he just, you know what, I'm, I don't want to hurt nobody, so I'd rather just leave. He probably should have told somebody, you know, so you don't mess up your reputation. You know, you don't want to do that. But anyway, that's off on another topic. Let's get back to the divine appointments. All right, what is it? Is it humanity birthday, or is it judgment day, or is it both? Traditionally, it is humanity's birthday on Rosh Hashanah. It's the day of the creation of the world. Great. Is it judgment day? We also talk about Judgment Day as well. How should we approach it? How should we think about it? Some people go around and ask for forgiveness right before Rosh Hashanah. Like, okay, I got to get my forgiveness in before we go into the throne room. And I get this because I talk to um, people who've grown up doing Rosh Hashanah. I didn't grow up with Rosh Hashanah at all. I grew up celebrating Christmas and Easter and Halloween and taking my bag, going around, getting candy. Anybody else grew up like that? Okay, that's how I grew up. So this, a lot of this is new to me. So I get to learn from people who've grown up with this. And I, and I love learning from people because I want to get into this culture so I can understand it as much as possible. 
they understand it way more because some things you just know because you're in the culture. You don't even have to explain it because that's just who you are. So, so what's the right mindset? In Nehemiah 8 is a story that is described in the actual Rosh Hashanah event in the Torah. I love this. So if we want to know what our mindset should be, go to the Torah. Because the Torah is going to tell us. So what we're going to do is pick Nehemiah 8 apart as much as possible so we can see what should be my disposition coming up to this divine appointment. And this is Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard. On the first day of the seventh month, what does that sound like? Rosh Hashanah. That's how we know it's the feast. We it can't get more clear than that. On the first day of the seventh month. That's why we have to be on, on God's time clock. What if we didn't know anything about, we may think first day of seventh month. We might be thinking January, February, March, April, May. Not that at all. We have to be on God's calendar. If not, it makes no sense. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate. Now listen to this. From early morning until midday. How many of y'all going to come in here at 6 a.m.? And listen to the scripture, just the scripture being read from a Torah scroll to about 1 p.m. Some of y'all are like, nope, not doing that. Okay, this is, I just want to gain concept. This is what they were doing. They, just, they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have a scripture. They could just, oh, I got my individual Torah scroll. We have to look at the history based upon their time frame. So when they heard the word was when they went and heard that. So some of, that may, some of them may have heard it for the first time. We'll talk about the context. Some of them may have kind of heard it, but you get the point, right? Oh, let me read. In the presence of the men and women, who's, those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. That means they were paying attention. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Matityahu, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maaseiah on his right, and Pedaiah, Meshael, Melkajah, Hasham, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Meshalum on his left hand. And why did he give us all those names? We'll talk about that. Those names are very significant that I've learned. Each one of those names have special meaning to them. And anyway, we'll leave that alone for now. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it all, the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebatiah, Hodiah, Maasiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jazabed, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law. While the people remained in their places, they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And what I'm understanding is maybe they read it and maybe they explained it. 
Maybe they, they wanted to make sure the people understood what they were reading so they could live by it. Verse 9 says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, the, and Ezra the priest and scribe and Levites, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day, which is Rosh Hashanah, is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And what we're doing, we're trying to figure out what should be our disposition during Rosh Hashanah. How should we approach his throne room? Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. And the PowerPoint still isn't up. Um, can you go to slide number 32, my brother in the sound booth? My brother in the sound booth? Oh, can you go to slide number 32? <laughs> Y'all see we had that plan, right? We did a great... Anyway, all right, thanks. It's going to come up any moment now. I'm going to hit it again. It says it's loading. All right, I want you to gain a picture of, of what's going on here. Israel is coming back to the land after, 70, after a 70-year exile imposed on them. And this just kind of gives us a timeline of what's going on. Um, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon... He was the one who did this. And now some are coming back with an attempt to rebuild the temple. Now visualize this picture. They probably, they didn't have the capacity to study Torah. They were probably all over the place during this time. They were, this was, battle just happened. So there was a lot of things that was, was going on. Imagine if it was war all around you. Do you think you got time to study the Torah? No, you're just trying to live. You're just trying to be safe. You're trying to eat. So they didn't have time or they didn't think about it. So I just want you to gain the concept of this time. It seems like they don't know much about the Torah. They really don't know about their divine appointments. They are marrying outside of their faith. They're smoking weed and getting high. Okay, that was just me just putting that in anyway. Okay, maybe they're not, hopefully they're not doing that, okay. Maybe they had, anyway, that was just a joke. All right, they're not smoking me. But the point is, they came back to this period of time, and they didn't know. So now Ezra, he's reading to them the Torah. He's reading to them the words of Scripture. And what's their disposition? What are they doing? It says they were weeping. They were crying. Why do you think they were crying? probably guilt. Maybe they felt bad. Maybe they're like, wow, we're, we're really messed up. Maybe this should be our disposition, one of our dispositions as we come to his throne room. We need to lay ourselves before God to see how messed up we are. Because are, are some of us messed up? Okay, I'm going to point to me. Yes. Okay. Was yesterday I maybe a little less messed up? Maybe. Hopefully I'm getting better. Do you think the world is pretty messed up? Yes, all over the place. I visualize someone standing. I visualize myself sometimes when I'm, when I'm just talking about Torah or talking about his word or just living it as like Ezra was, standing there saying, 
follow the Torah. Visualize that yourself as you're walking through your job. People see you. Visualize yourself as Ezra is saying, come back to God. Follow his Torah. And see how simple it is, but it's a huge deal. But that should be our disposition because we need to come before God and say, you know what? Whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. They were gathered together as one person. Revelation. Think about another time that they were gathered together as one person, as one voice. At Sinai, the people were gathered around a mountain. Visualize the mountain and Moses and God and relate that to Ezra standing right before the people. You see the picture? It's similar. It's not the same, but it's similar. Moses was higher than the people. The Hebrew language in both of those passages are similar. Matter of fact, some of the words are the same. They use the same phrase from the Ezra time and also back to Sinai time. The phrase, in the eyes of the entire nation, and the entire nation answered, is in both places. So there's a distinct connection. And again, they read from dawn to high noon, which was about four to six hours. What if you got up and read the Bible and everyone just started crying? What would you do? You probably cried too, huh? You're like, what did I do? Did I, what did I just do to these people? But, and this is something I thought about here. I've been teaching here for a while. I've been teaching for a while in different places. But I've never had a message where I started reading and everybody just started crying. I, I, I don't even know what I would do. I'd be like, I'm not going to read no more. You know, just, just calm down. Okay? I mean, I've had people say, you know what, this is great. Thank you for saying those words, and I really appreciate that. Um, sometimes you have people respond to your message, but I've never seen a message where everyone cried. And my point is I wanted to, I wanted to hammer that to know that this is what happened when they read the law on Rosh Hashanah. So this should be our disposition. I'm not saying come here and just start crying, okay, if that's your disposition. Maybe you need to. I don't know. But the point is we need to lay ourselves before God and say he, we need to be in awe of him. And we're going to get, let's get more to that, getting ahead of myself. Nehemiah raised his voice and says, do not cry, but rejoice. Hmm. So they cried, but Nehemiah said rejoice. So what are we doing? Should we cry or should we rejoice? Is it both? I'm trying to throw that out there. Anyway. So is Judgment Day supposed to be sad and somber and dreaded or a day to rejoice? Maybe Nehemiah has a different perception of Judgment Day. The rabbis teach that Malkiot, which is coronation of the king, Zikronot, which is to remembrance, and Shofarot are the three themes that, at least some of the themes that we should see during Rosh Hashanah. How does all of this connect? That's my goal, to connect it, at least as much as we can. These are the themes according to the Mishnah, the Gemara, and the Talmud. And just a side note, I love studying from the, the rabbis, because sometimes at face level we read it and we go, maybe they don't know what they're talking about. But if you take your time and read and listen, they are really, they know things that we just didn't see. We just may not have heard. It's kind of like you never ask, what's that proverb? Um, it's a little saying, I always use it and I'm forgetting it. Uh, you never ask the fish, how's the water? You, ne you never ask the fish, how is the water? 
because they don't know. They in the water, right? That's why sometimes we, we talk to people about things. You have to, sometimes you got to get so in-depth and just hear from God to show. That's why it's so important to know the Messiah because God is going to lead us into the throne room to hear from him. We got to just get quiet because sometimes lives are so busy. We're doing this and this. I love my quiet time. I'm, you can't, I will fight you over my quiet time every day. I love my hour or however much time I get to spend just hearing from him. And sometimes in our quiet time, and I know I've been guilty of this, I'm doing better now, but sometimes we pray the whole time. Does anybody do that? You're going in for your prayer time, and you pray for like 40 minutes or 30 minutes. You just words, words, words. Sometimes we need to just shut up and just listen and maybe take some paper and don't say nothing. And I've been doing that, and God's been showing. I'm like, God, I should have did this a year ago, you know. I don't need to say it. Cause sometimes I think my words are going to do it, even here. Sometimes we think our words are going to get God to move. Like, I keep saying this. If I say this 500 times, no, God just wants you to shut up and just listen to him. And he's going to tell us these things. And he's going to move us in a direction that he wants us to go, not in our direction. Because sometimes we're talking so much, really we're trying to push our agenda. Think about it. We are. We're trying to push, we're trying to push our agenda in prayer. Well, we need to hear from him. Okay, that was a side note. All right. Slide, can you go to slide 20? I'm glad I numbered them here. That was good. That was God. I, you know, I normally don't. Yes. Okay, anyway. What does this have to do with Yom Hadim, the day of judgment? And that's what we're trying to get to. Because these are all the different names and themes of Rosh Hashanah. I believe, hey, we have power. Um, I believe that each one of these can be connected to this one thing that I'm going to show you here in a minute. And it all comes out of this. And that's the whole point. When the rabbis said these different themes that we should kind of see on Rosh Hashanah, from a surface level, you may look at it and go, I don't understand none of that. That's too much. That's why you got to take the time and go back. And my goal is to unravel as much as we can. What did the sages see? Let's go to Leviticus chapter 23, verse 4. It says, Speak unto the B'nai Israel, saying, in the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have, I'm in the, the complete Jewish Bible, shall ye have a Shabbaton, a Zikron Teruah, that's the word, a Mikra Kodesh. What is Zikron Teruah? It means a remembering of the cry of the shofar. The Zikron Teruah. What is the cry of the shofar? What are you trying to remember about the cry of the shofar? Hopefully you're thinking about it. Because I thought about this a long time. I do that. Sometimes I take one phrase and think about it for like 10 minutes. I'm not even exaggerating. I do. Because it just, I have to like mold on it until I get it. This is the event that we should be remembering. The Zikron Teruah and another way you could say that, and the rabbis call this Yom Zikron Teruah, <clears throat> which is the, the remembering of the day of the Shofar. This is the cry of the Shofar that was heard at Mount Sinai. Think of that sound. We're going all the way back to the mountain. See, now we're connecting Rosh Hashanah with the, the Shofar, yes. And this is not, this is the scripture. The scripture, and this is Leviticus 23.4. 
Leviticus 20, yeah, 20 verse 4, which has the Zikron Teruah. And again, this is something, a side note too. Some things that are in the Hebrew, when you read the translation, they're not in the English. And you really got to go back to the Hebrew as much as you can to understand it because it just doesn't say the same thing. Because all translations are not equal. It's not bad. There's one Torah. God has, he gave us one Torah, period. But there's many translations of that Torah. That's okay. Because we're trying to understand it as much as we can. We have translation in who knows how many languages. I don't even try to figure that out. A lot. Below is one of the prayers. We're getting ready to read one of the prayers that the sages um, say right before the blow of the shofar. So now I'm trying to get into the mind and the heart of the rabbis. It says, you reveal yourself in a cloud, a cloud of glory to your holy nation. To speak to them. We say this prayer, Rosh Hashanah. From the heavens, you made your voice heard, and you revealed yourself to them in a thick cloud of purity. The whole world trembled before you, and the creatures of creation feared you. When you, our king, revealed yourself on Mount Sinai. Blow the, oh, I don't have my shofar. You hear the shofar? Okay, we planned that right here. We planned, no, we didn't plan that. Okay, that's okay. All right. But we, yes, beautiful. Imagine if you're at Mount Sinai and you heard that voice. That was the first voice that they heard. Now imagine if you're just walking anywhere and you hear that voice. You think you're going to remember it? Yeah. You think that voice is going to stick with you forever? Yeah. Can everyone in here remember their parents' voice almost anywhere in the room? Yeah, you can spot them out like it's like 100 people in the room. You'll hear your dad or your mom talking. That's how important voice is. See, voice, we connected, Israel connected with God through voice before anything. It's a huge deal, voice. We remember songs from childhood. I can say some lyrics now. I'm not even going to go there because some, anyway. But we can just remember different voices and the way the tones sound more than we can remember the words, more than we can remember looking at them. We remember the inflection of their voice, the way you said things, if that makes sense. So voice is so important. This cry seems to be what the remembrance should be on this day. And let me read that phrase again. It was Yom Zikron Teruah, the remembering the cry or the voice of the shofar. That's what we should be remembering. And out of that simple voice, the cry of the shofar, is all of these themes, and you're going to see it. It's beautiful. How does that work? Because the rabbis are way smarter than me, okay? They just, i like, wow, how'd you, that was, wow. Anyway, why is the Torah emphasizing the remembering of the blow of the shofar and not remembering Sinai? Why didn't, why didn't instead of saying remembering the blow of shofar, why didn't they just say remember Sinai? Because it's kind of the same thing, but it's not. It's saying, but we're specifically remembering the voice. Because we're remembering when God made contact with humanity. And he also made contact, which we're going to connect here in a minute. Okay, I'm going to get a little ahead of myself. 
that same voice came to Adam and Eve in the garden. The same voice, because it's God. The same voice that Adam and Eve would have recognized as they were walking through the garden was the same voice that they would have heard there at Mount Sinai. It's the same voice. It's the same voice that Moses would have heard. That's, anyway, what do you think God sounds like? I don't know. That's just me thinking. Does he sound like, does he have a deep voice? I don't know. We don't know what God sounds like. I want to hear his voice. And I, I know we will hear his voice when we get to heaven. If I can hear his voice on earth, I don't know. I don't know if I can handle it in my body. <laughs> I might just pass out or something. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like that's when, whenever anything happened, the angels, when they were here to prepare people, what did they always tell people? Don't be afraid. Because in this body, some of us are just going to pass out. Because we're in our, no, our natural body. Because this is a divine being. This is outside of our world. Remember, God stepped out of time into our world. He said, before you were formed, he said, before you were born, okay, I forgot the scripture, something. Before you were formed, I knew you. That's it. Before you were formed, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. See, that just messes with my mind right there. Before you were a you, there was something there. That's why God has always been here. Someone said, where did God come from? I don't know. Okay. I'm just going, I don't think our minds are meant to even know that. I think it's so far beyond what we can understand or comprehend. And I think we just need to leave it at that. Because some people go all around the world back, but just stop. Okay? Just look at the universe. Look at how the earth revolves around the sun. You going to understand that? Look at how the moon revolves around the earth at the same time. Look at how all this works in succession. And look at how huge the universe is. And you're going to tell me that your brain is going to understand that. Please stop. And we try to under, I think we can understand some things about it. Like we can understand how we have math equations that explain the revolution of the earth. And it's beautiful. You can understand time. You can understand everything. But we don't know it all. We just know as much as we can. And that's good. That's okay. The scripture gives us a glimpse all over the place. Okay, back to this. He said, you revealed yourself in a cloud. Let me go back before that. Why is the Torah emphasizing the remembering of the blow of the shofar and not remembering Sinai. He said, you revealed yourself in a cloud. The clouds were actually dark. You couldn't see God. And the reason I say that is Deuteronomy 4.12 says, then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. So they really couldn't see nothing. Because imagine this on the mountain, it was dark, black, all this loud thundering going on, and they heard the voice out of all the midst of that, and that's what they gravitated to. I love this. Anyway, it was a supernatural sound of the shofar. God was communicating with us before he would speak to them. Anochi Adonai Elohecha. That is the first commandment. I am the Lord, your God. See, after the voice, the shofar, he began to speak to them. He, told, he spoke to them the Ten Commandments. The first was Anochi Adonai Elohecha. That's what they heard. I am the Lord your God. That's, that's beautiful. This was the most familiar voice from our Creator. This voice goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The voice of God strolling through the Garden. Genesis 3.8 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God. There's that sound. The Lord God walking in the Garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, 
where are you? Ayeka, where are you? Maybe God is telling each one of that right now. He's speaking to each one of us saying, where are you? Do you think God didn't know where he was? God knew exactly where he was, precisely where he was. But he wasn't asking on behalf of himself. He was asking for Adam and Eve. He wanted them to locate themselves. See, this is the disposition we should have coming up to the divine appointments. We have to locate us. God, God knows who he is. He's God. He's creator of the universe. But we have to do our due diligence to locate us. Was it the same voice in the garden and the mountain? I believe it was. Exodus 19.6, as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Moses was a bad man. <laughs> he was, I can't even imagine spending that much, I mean, I can't even, wow. He spent 40 days on top of the mountain, and other, and if you read the scripture, he, he climbed that mountain, at least from some of the accounts, at least eight times, at least he was like a, almost 120 years old. How many 120-year-olds you know that go climb a mountain eight times? Wow. Is that supernatural? Yeah. It's supernatural, but Moses was, obviously he was fit. He was in, he was in great health to go and do that. So I, I, I pray that God will help me to be that fit. That's my goal. Hopefully I'll be 120 climbing mountains. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Hey, Moses did it. Why can't I? I don't know. He was a man. Anyway, the moment we made contact with the Almighty, after this moment, we can never be the same. Moses was never the same after he made contact with the Almighty. Never. This is our disposition we should have coming up to the Holy Holidays. That's the whole point. It's how should we approach his throne. Everything else seems to be the logical extension of remembering the sound of the shofar. All of these themes should be the logical extension of that. Why recite the verses on kingship? Kingship is Ha Kiddushin, the wedding of the Messiah. Ha Melech, the coronation of the Messiah. Why do we recite those verses? Exodus 19.6 says, you will, be for, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you speak. You are to speak to the Israelites. We need to accept God as our king. We need to do this every we need to do this every day. Okay? We need to acknowledge that God is our king. But God has set aside these his appointed times that we are to accept him as our leader. We need to be willing to follow God, allowing him to lead us. It's completely up to us. Because obviously we know you cannot it's possible to not follow God. Obviously, right? You can say, No, I don't want I don't want you to for some people, heaven would be like hell to them because some people they put their fists up to God and they're so angry and they're so contrary to God they don't, even if they knew it was true they wouldn't follow God some people because they're so because I believe they've gone over into what's called a reprobate mind and they've gone so far that they're not hearing you at all and you just need to pray because we come in contact with people for a few reasons sometimes we come in contact with people just to pray for them literally because you've made connection with them, maybe your family member, and now your mission in life is to pray for that person. That's it. It might not be to talk to them at all. It might just be to pray. Maybe you need to, maybe you came in contact with that person so that you can confront them. Maybe. Maybe you have a relationship with them, 
and maybe you can confront them on some things. But some people you can't confront if you don't have a relationship because honestly, you're just pushing them away. Matter of fact, that's just a fight waiting to happen. Don't even waste your time because that's not even that's not your battle. Or sometimes God shows you to come in contact with people so that you can avoid them. Does anybody have any people, any family members that you know you need to avoid? Okay, I'm raising both hands. It's just me. Okay. And I don't think it's a negative thing. I'm going to pray for them, but I know I'm prepared. We have double mics. Am I on the beamer mic? Okay. Testing? Who knows? You know? We don't know. Um, but again, yeah, computers. But again, sometimes we come into contact with people. We don't know why we're coming to contact. We need to understand that God has a greater plan than us. We need to understand. And, since, and we need to be on his team. And we're going to talk about that more in a minute. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But as long as we're on God's team, God is going to show you where you need to go. He's going to tell you to go left. I said left and went right. He's going to tell you to go left. He's going to tell you to go right. He's going to tell you not to go at all. Sit down and shut up. Yes, sir. And we need to learn how to be humble enough to listen to him. It's kind of like the military. The military is a great example. You know, you get orders to go to, you go to Savannah. I don't want to go to Savannah. I want to go to Texas. Okay? Um, you're not going to be in the military very long. You're going to get put out. You're going to get an Article 15. And Anyway, you have to, for the good of the military... Go where you're supposed to go. You might not even know why you're going there. It doesn't matter. They know why you're going. You just go there and do your job and shut up. That's what we're supposed to do. We need to do our job that God wants us to do and to follow him. We need to be willing to follow God and allow him to lead us. That's where we're coronating God is king. He is king over our lives. At Mount Sinai, they said, Kol Asher Deber Adonai Naaseh Vanishma. They said, all that you say, we will do and obey. That's what we need to be saying. Whatever you say, God, that's what I'm going to do. Goes back to Adam and Eve when they heard the voice. When God asked a man, where are you? Think about this. I want to go back to this. When God asked Adam and Eve, where are you? What may have been their answer? If somebody asked you, you know you're out of the will of God, and God comes you and say, where are you at? Where are you? You may say, what did I put? I said, um, if you just did something you should not have done and asked, and I asked, Dr. Phil should have been here. I was going to be talking about Dr. Phil. He's not right here. And Dr. Phil, where are you? You may have said, I'm hiding because I heard you were coming. Or I'm hiding because I can't bear to confront you. Those might be some things. What did Adam say? Adam said, but Adam actually said that I am hiding because I am naked. He said, I'm hiding because I'm naked. I don't think I would have said that. That just doesn't seem, but that's what Adam said. I'm not knocking Adam. Way to go, Adam. But he said, I'm hiding because I'm naked. Why do you say I'm hiding because I'm naked? It's not that I can't bear to see you, but I can't bear to see me. See, the issue wasn't God. It was never God. The issue was always Adam. The issue was never God. It's always us. So when God asks each one of us, where are you? Don't try to blame God. Don't try to blame Bob or Jim. 
We just got to look at ourselves and say, God, here I am. Please help me. You are the creator. You're the maker of all things. He became uncomfortable with himself, Adam and Eve. He lost a sense of his identity. See, you lose a sense of your identity when you say, you know what? I can do this without you, God. I don't, you know what? I'm going to decide what's right and wrong. I'm going to decide what is tov and what is ra. That's Hebrew for right and wrong, good and evil. I'm going to decide that. We can just do what we want and make up our own rules, and we can't accept the rules of the one that created us. What's good and evil? I can determine that. We can do this. We really don't know who we are anymore. You just lose your identity because you don't know who you are because you think what you've done, instead of crowning God as king, you've crowned you as king, and that's a scary place to be. How many of y'all know many in the world, that's what happened? And it's not nothing new. This is not a new message. The, with it, um, I, I go back to John the Baptist. What was, his, what was his ministry? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. 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 God wants us to repent and turn to him. Because what has happened, see what happened was, anyway, <laughs> so it just comes out. All right. See what happens is we crown ourselves as God and then God can't do anything because you've blocked him. Because you're not hearing his voice. You don't care what he got to say. It's kind of like in school. I tell us, look, do A, B, and C, and then this is going to help you to understand this concept. And they say, okay, great. Now, they come back to me next week, and they go, hey, I don't get this. Did you do A, B, and C? Well, see, what had happened was I don't even know what to say to you. Sometimes I just walk away because there's nothing to talk about. I already told you to do A, B, and C. That's what God does with us. He does the same thing. He said you need to do A, this, this, and this. That's why sometimes... We have issues with things because we haven't dealt with those little simple things first. And we try to go back to God and justify and say, God, I don't know why this didn't happen. And God's doing this. Hmm, you don't know why, huh? Oh, you need to take care of this that I told you like five weeks ago and you hadn't taken care of it. You need to clean your desk. Clean my desk? You need to make up your bed. Making my bed? Who wants to make up the bed? You need to... You need to pray. You need to read the scripture at least a minute a day. You need to think about me. You get the point, right? This is our disposition during this holy time. And God is crying out to us, saying, follow me. He's saying, he's saying open your life up to me so that I can help you. See, if you reveal it to God, he can help heal you. But if you don't reveal it to him, if you don't say it out of your mouth, you're on your own. And you don't want to be that way. We can get uncomfortable in our own skin, and what happens is we begin on a spiraling path to destruction. This happens all the time, over and over. We make one decision to go in the opposite direction, and now we're on a pathway to destruction. We're going from A to B to C, and it's going to end up, sometimes it ends up people in jail because we make those decisions. And it starts with one little decision at a time. Adam and Eve had I love this. Adam and Eve had an opportunity to respond to the voice differently, but they didn't. I believe that. Some people say, why? Don't go back and dig up Adam and Eve. I believe all of us have an opportunity to respond to his voice at any time. What if Adam and Eve had done something differently? It would have been different. Honestly, we would have never known about that story. Think about yourself in different situations in your life. Think about places where what if you would have made a different decision? I got a list of them. 
If I would have chose this, maybe I would have been further along than I am now. If I would have chose this, and it's nothing to go back and beat yourself up over. You don't want to, that's not the point. The point is to learn from the situation. See, if you can't learn from it, you're destined to repeat it. Because we do that. We do that all the time. If we don't learn from things, we just do the same thing again. Then we wonder what happened. We fall in that same hole. And it's our own fault. So my question was, how, how would history have been different if Adam and Eve would have made a different decision? Because the voice came to them. I'll leave that alone. When shown proof of counter's belief, some are filled with great grief. What we should feel is joy and relief. See, sometimes, and this is hard. It's hard when you're shown something that you're doing and it's opposite to what you should be doing. Truth is hard. Another quote, some stumble upon truth from time to time, but most pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing happened. I believe that. I believe the truth. God is speaking to us all the time, but sometimes we just ignore it. We don't want to see it. And I think I talked about this last week or the week before, but y'all see, y'all know the show, My 600 Pound Life? Y'all submit. Yes. Y'all know a lot. If you watch that show for like, I love the doctor. He's awesome. But anyway, a lot of them, they've made themselves believe something that's a lie. And they truly believe the lie. They may not believe that they're eating too much. They really don't believe it in their mind. And they just keep lying to themselves and lying to themselves. And if we keep justifying our issue, then we will never get it right. That's why in this season, we need to lay ourselves before God and ask God, God, am I, am, am, am I really the, the, the person that nobody wants to come to at my job because I got, a, I got a bad attitude? Is it hard to point yourself out when you're the one with the bad attitude? Yeah, it is. Because it's easy to point somebody else and say, you know, Bob got a bad attitude, but I don't. Or, or Jimmy does this. It's easy to look at somebody else instead of looking at our own selves. We got to do our due diligence to open our lives up to God. Maybe this missed opportunity was just as bad as eating from the tree in the first place. Many hide today, pretending and playing dress up and imagining ourselves to be the master. I, I like, it's like we're just playing games with God because we're not the master God is. And if we keep playing games with God, honestly, we're just going to be stuck in that same place for the next 10 years until we want to listen. We got to do our due diligence to listen to him. Adam and Eve was put out of the garden. And I'm going to leave that story right there. Exodus 19.5. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasure, treasure possession among all peoples, for all, for all the earth is mine. Are you prepared to hear my voice? We can rectify the disaster that happened at Eden. When you encounter God, you should have awe of God. The true disposition of the, creation, of the creator, excuse me, of the creature to the creator is awe for him. Accept God as king means you are prepared to hear his voice. Malkiot, which is coronation of a king. Every year we remember his voice. We crown God as king of our lives. Every year. Zikronot, which is remember. How should the experience at Sinai be, left, be life changing? Um, the Zikronot part is remembrance. Think about how we remember things. We remember things through stories. We do. If you were to tell me how, how did your week go, 
how would some of y'all start? You would say, okay, this week I, um, I, I did this A thing A, and then I did this thing B, and then I did this thing C. But it's going to be a story, right? Hopefully it has some type of connection. You're connecting point A or point B. Well, I'm not going to understand what the world you're talking about. You get the point, right? All right. My story started in 1972. I was born in Tallahassee, Florida. Went to high school. Went to the Army. Got married. Did I leave a lot of things out in my story? Yeah. Probably, right? You think I could tell you my whole story in like five minutes? Even if I thought I told you my whole story in five minutes, do you think I told you my whole story? Probably not. See, our stories are awesome. But when we understand this word, zikrono, the rabbis understood it. We're taking our story and making it and melch it with God's story. See, God's story is all of our stories together. See, I can't imagine. I don't even want to imagine. But just imagine all of our stories are connected. They're intertwined together. Maybe you met somebody at the gas station last week and you smiled at him and you don't know why you smiled or like he was having a rough day, but maybe that smile had him to change his disposition so he didn't go home and beat his wife. Okay, that was kind of harsh, but maybe it happened that way. Y'all like, whoa, why you go there? Why'd you go there with beating the wife? Because sometimes we do things and we don't even know why. See, that's why story is so important. That's why the word zikrono, remember, we want God to remember us, to put us in his story. I want to be in God's story. So when God is speaking his story about humanity, I want him to say, Terry over there, born in 1972, he did this, he did this, and I don't know what God's going to say about me. But I, I just pray in awe before him that I am in his story. See, that's the remembrance. That's what God is remembering about us. And that's what we should be praying. That's our disposition coming up to the holy holidays. That God, put me in your story. Help me to be a part of your great plan. Because that's the whole point. Now see, if you haven't, and think about the first one. The first was what? Malkiot. Malkiot was coronation of a king. The second was Zikronot. If you haven't crowned God as king of your life, you're not going to be in his story. You get that? See, if you crown him king, then you can have an opportunity to be in his story. If not, you're not in his story. You're, I don't know where you're at. Because you know what? You've made yourself king of your life. You're your own God. That's dangerous. That's scary. But do people do that all the time? Yes. People do that all the time. I don't want to have nothing to do with God. Okay. Well, you, you go and do that. I don't want to do that. We are connecting the dot to tell the story. If there really is a king of the universe, the creator has a story that I don't know completely. I don't know all of God. Do you think I know all of, does anybody know all of God's story? No way. Not even for a second. We're just grateful to be a part of it. I love this quote. It says, the problem with life is that it doesn't come with a soundtrack. I told this to the football team yesterday. I love this. I was like, what are you talking about? The problem with life, think about a movie. What happens in a movie when the climax is going to happen? The soundtrack, right? You hear the music, it starts to swell. You're like, don't go over there. Run! They're going to kill you! What are you? Some of y'all talk to the TV. Don't lie. Come on. Some of y'all argue. Some of y'all get up like, come on, man. What are you doing? Like, they're on TV, okay? It's a movie. Stop. Okay? They're actors. 
Okay, but we get so involved, and that's okay. I'm not knocking that. But my point is, the problem with life is that it doesn't come with a soundtrack. See, sometimes things are very climactic in your life, and you don't even know it. Like I was talking about that smile at the gas station that may have changed that person's disposition. Maybe that was the whole reason that you woke up that morning so that you could be a blessing to that person. And you didn't even know it. So that's why sometimes we get so bogged down with our lives. God simply wants us to listen to him, to get in his face and say, God, what do you want me to do with my life? I know my finances are messed up. I know I got a bad attitude. I know I cuss too much. I, did, I, did I step on anybody's toes? I know I do A, B, and C. But the point is, during this season, we need to lay ourselves before God and say, God, help me with those things. And he's helping with you with those things so that you can be a part of his plan. If not, you're on the I plan. You don't want to be on the I plan. I want to be on God's team. Just like Friday, we had, um, I told y'all I have a, there's a club at my high school called First Priority. And I switched with the teacher so that he can go down there and be a part of the, the program. Then he got a meeting to be called out to go do something else. Now, we didn't know he was going to be the guest speaker that day. We didn't know this was happening at all. Another student just happened to be there at that time, and she came in, and she was the guest speaker. He was going to be the guest speaker. He wasn't going to be there. My point is, I didn't know any of that was going to happen. I thought I planned it perfectly. I'm going to go and switch for the teacher for his duty, and he was going to go and take my place, and he was going to speak to the kids. But he got called out, so somebody else stepped into place. My point is, sometimes we do things, and we just don't know why. You just need to follow God and just praise him and worship him. That's why Nehemiah, if you go all the way back to the story, and let's go all the way back to that story. Remember in the book of Nehemiah, we were reading about an account of Rosh Hashanah in the Torah. And when, when Nehemiah, no, I think it was Ezra the scribe, read the scroll, what did they do? It said that they cried. They were in tears. Because they were reading the Torah. Like I said earlier, if I started reading the Torah and everybody started crying out here, I wouldn't know what to do. I'm like, can y'all stop crying? What's wrong? What's going on here? I'm sorry. But they cried because they wanted to change. They said, you know what? We are not keeping the divine appointments. We are not following Torah. We are not doing A. We are intermarrying with, with people outside of what you told us to do. So that's why they were crying. This should be our disposition when we come upon the holy holidays. But what did Nehemiah tell them to do? He told them to rejoice. See, we need to have a disposition of awe. But once we are our disposition of awe, after that we need to rejoice. And know that God has our back. I'm going to rejoice in God. I need to walk away from Rosh Hashanah strong, knowing that God has my back. Knowing that whatever I do, I am in God's story. So I could have messed that little situation up when I was telling you about what if I heard that he was in a... He wasn't going to be at that meeting, and so I went back to be the guest speaker. So maybe I just robbed that student of an opportunity to teach those students. I didn't need to be there, and I am, I am great. I am okay with that. It's not about my ego wanting to show somebody something. I could care less about that. And if we have an ego like that, because some people, okay, anyway, sometimes people come to a congregation or church because I want to just come and teach people. I'm going to teach them the five ways of stop. We need to come here with a disposition and say, you know what? I'm here to learn. I'm here to, I'm here to just absorb. And when God wants to use me, 
he's going to use me. If you come here with any other motive, you came for the wrong place. Because that's not why you're here. You're here to learn from God. And time ran out. I need like three more hours. Okay, I'm just joking, okay? I'm really not joking, okay? I'm, anyway, so I guess we'll, we'll end here. Um, just a quick little story on that. I was, this is when I first uh, got an opportunity to be the, um, to help out with FCA. FCA is a um, high school club, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I never heard of FCA when I was in high school. So I'm, when I say that, I'm telling you what my disposition was. Okay, I was that heathen child, okay? I never heard of it. I looked back after I was an adult, and I looked at my yearbook, and there was a whole FCA group there. Never heard of them. Never heard of them at all. So anyway, I was on my job, teaching math. I was in the lunchroom, and I was a believer at this time. I've been walking with the Lord. Didn't know what I was doing, just fresh. I like to say fresh out of the box. And I was just doing my job, walking around. I was supposed to be monitoring the students during lunch. Put those headphones up. What are you doing? Stop. Don't touch her. Get away from him. You get the point, right? I'm not thinking about God at the moment, okay, at all. I look up. I see kids over there to my right in this room like this. I said, what? What's going on here? They were in there praising and worshiping. They were praising the Lord. I was like, wow. So I just, I, I just made a beeline. I just went right over there. I walked in, sat down, didn't say nothing. And I, I just whispered to the, there was a guy in the back like, oh, what's, uh, what's this? And he told me about it. So I just was going to be involved with the club just to be a blessing. I didn't come in there to teach nobody nothing because they were already praising and worshiping and doing everything. So I literally just came in there to sit and listen. See, this should be our disposition. We come into any arena. We're just coming there to learn. But I didn't know what was going to happen. But the person who was in charge, she was getting ready to leave in about a week. And she said, you know what? We need somebody to take over this club. I was like, whoa, I just came here to listen, to observe. But she said, we need somebody. Here you go. And then she left. And that's how I got involved with that particular club. But my point to saying all that is, Sometimes we come into different arenas. We just need to have a disposition, a humble disposition to say, God, what do you want me to do? How can you use me? If you come with any other motive, honestly, I think it's the wrong motive. And God will use us. We just need to make ourselves available. And we make ourselves available, he will use us. So let's close there. And after this, we'll have a time. Uh, we'll have like 10 or 15 minutes between service. And then service will start in about, about 11.15. So let's pray. Perfect timing when Rabbi walked through the door. Perfect timing. We planned it that way, Rabbi. See, there you go. See, there you go. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we just thank you so much for just giving us an opportunity to be in your presence, Lord, just to hear your words, Lord. We know that you are speaking to each individual in their own individual self, in their own life, Lord. I thank you that each person is humbling themselves towards you, and listening to you, not trying to change your words, but hearing what you have to say to us and obeying them. And then we're going to have great success in that. And I give you praise for everything you're going to do in Yeshua's name. Amen.